But what do you hate? I hate when I click on a website and audio starts coming from someplace and I can't find it. And out the there. Jesus. Where is this coming from? Usually on the tab of your browser, there's no. an indicator. I know I can see it, but I'm on that website and I can't find where it is. Oh, you don't know where on the website the sound is coming from. Where is it? Where? Oh, I'm just going to close it. God. Oh. Death stalks you at every turn. Grandpa. Well, it does. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now available in your grocer's dairy case. Ask for yours today. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Uber suspends self-driving car tests in Toronto after a pedestrian death in the States. Our senior transportation reporter Shane Alexander joins us to break down the breakdown and tell you what the safest cab company is in the world. The first images of the moon the world ever saw were deliberately fuzzy, and it's all about the Cold War. Plus, Aerosmith meets the temptations with another mashup by Bill McClintock. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So did your fur babies get you anything for Father's Day? Nothing. Really? <laughs> How selfish. I, I, I know. I know. I know. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, shut up email. I'm, okay. See, now I'm tense because of that. Yeah, it really wound you up, didn't it? Well, you know, um, I had a glass of Mezcal earlier today, and maybe that's doing <laughs> What is that? Well, I was watching the Germany-Mexico um, game, the World Cup. Nicely done again. Here goes Hernandez, taking on Boateng. He's got support here from Lozano. Cuts it back inside. It's Lozano! It's 1-0 Mexico! And the man who's shone through the qualifiers has lit up the opening game in Group F. And I thought, well, you know, I could either have a beer or I could have something Mexican. And I don't like beer. I don't drink beer. So I went for the Mezcal. And uh, I've, been, I've been edgy ever since. It's not what's <laughs> supposed to happen. What, do, do you even know what, what that beverage is? It's I, it's related to tequila somehow. What, what's tequila? Yeah, it's like beer. Is it fattening? Fattening? Forget it. If it's like beer, we'll have some. Three tequilas. Sure, sure, amigos. Enjoy yourselves. <coughs> Try not to get into too much troubles, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Ah. taste it's probably watered down hey a guy from mexico i can't remember his name and i'm sorry i apologize for that but a guy from mexico uh dropped it off for me at the radio station and i uh i I thought okay i'm gonna crack it open today because what better time to crack it open than germany mexico the world cup and and now i'm just like (laughs) another thing that happened this week is my friend gave me her her vape pen and uh, filled it full of cannabis oil. 
Oh, and how did that work for I you? I may have to uh, balance up the mezcal with the vape pen. Really? Yes. it's So, because uh, you and I discussed this recently, that you prefer not to consume cannabis because you don't want to put anything in your lungs. Yes, uh, but this is uh, this is vapor. It's not smoke. Ah, okay. So we may make a stoner out of you yet. <laughs> if I if I keep drinking the mezcal, I will have no choice. Yes. Tequila. As a big space nerd, yes, you must have been as surprised as I was as a big nerd me. Sorry. Wow. Jesus. Grammar? Uh, no. I speak for a living. Yes. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have a living. <laughs> that's right. How's that going? Yeah, that's going really well. That's okay. Going, obviously. Continue. Yes. The first images of the moon that NASA released were deliberately crappy quality. Did you know this? No, I didn't. World of Indy out of the United Kingdom has this big piece on the fear that if the Ruskies saw how crystal clear the camera technology was back in 1966, that that would tip the hand to the Russians. So 50 years ago, five unmanned lunar orbiters circled the moon, taking very, very high resolution pictures of the surface. The moonrise photo that you remember from then is nothing compared to the image they released back in 2008, 42 years after it was taken. They downscaled and downsampled the quality of the original image just to make it look like crap. Just so the Russians wouldn't realize exactly how far ahead they were. The quality of the images were so good they could blow them up to 40 by 54 foot images. Individual snaps were literally 40 feet by 54 feet. And when they printed them off, they had to hang them in churches for the height of the ceilings so that they could get a good look at where an appropriate landing spot would be for the 1969 moon landing. Okay, so and the interesting thing was these were this would have been film. This uh, I remember reading about the intricate camera apparatus that they had on each of these orbiters and on the landers like Surveyor. And they had to develop the film before it could be transmitted back to Earth. And it was painfully slow because the bitrate would have been very, very small. Exactly. So what they did was they developed 70 millimeter film on the lunar orbiters and then raster scan the negatives at a basically 200 lines per millimeter of resolution and then had to beam the data back to earth using a lossless analog compression technology which hadn't even been patented by 1966 and three ground stations uh, Madrid Australia and California received the signals recorded them on to Ampex tapes that were played back using devices the size of a refrigerator. That would have been those old computers with the reel-to-reel -reel tapes that we saw in the 1960s. There was film aboard the spacecraft. 
it was essentially a, a flying oh, so photographic studio. They would take the exposure, develop the film on board the spacecraft, and then scan the, the film in strips with an electron beam. And the uh, there was a detector on the other side of the film. That would modulate the radio signal, and they would do the inverse of that process back on the Earth. So the tape drives that they used back in 2008 to restore the images from these massive reels, uh, they, they did it, of all things, um, at a facility that was an abandoned McDonald's. <laughs> the NASA Ames Research Center set up a shop uh, in a nearby abandoned McDonald's that was giving them free space. They called it McMoon, and then they digitized the tapes. And I'm looking at this photo of the, and you remember those old massive 70 millimeter reels from the IMAX days. Oh, yeah. You know, basically these these giant canisters are filling the now emptied McDonald's kitchen where they had to work. And they had to clean the equipment before they started it using the dishwasher and the <laughs> sink in the McDonald's. Uh, yeah, because a lot of this playback equipment has been destroyed. I mean, this is a 50-year-old, 55-year-old technology, and none of the playback gear would be around anymore. Right. So they realized this, and in 2008, they worked on this project, the Lunar Orbiter Image Recovery Project, from 1,500 analog tapes, just to get the first ever picture of an Earthrise. Wow. They had uh, a half dozen photos, and it took that many tapes. The, uh, the guy responsible for it, Keith Cowling, was quoted as saying, an image taken a quarter of a fucking million miles away in 1966. The Beatles were warming up to play Shea Stadium at the moment, the photo was taken. Wow. The Beatles, everybody, they are the greatest. Ladies and gentlemen, they will be here soon. They're ready for you. Are you ready for them? I bet you are. Ladies and gentlemen, they'll be up in a few moments. They are getting themselves ready. And let me tell you, they told Cousin Bruce e, they can't wait to make this their greatest appearance. What do you think of these fabulous Beatles? Let's hear it for them. Let them hear it in the dressing room. That's cool stuff. You get to, it gives you some perspective on how far we've come in just one lifetime and how powerful something as simple as your daughter's new iPhone 7 is compared to what people were using back then. So of those 40 foot by 45 foot printouts, apparently the resolution was so strong that some of the scientists who were examining the images for an appropriate place for the Apollo 11 to land on, they were using magnifying glasses because the quality of the image was so good that they could still zoom in with an old-fashioned spyglass. Wow. That's amazing resolution. Ever wanted to be a Big Shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit geeksandbeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement. You a fan of mashups? Um, I can be. I like mashups that are that feature really insane juxtapositions of songs. So the crazier the two songs are, the further apart they are in the musical spectrum, and the better they go together, the more I like it. I think that's the secret to the success that Bill McClintock is having with his mashups. The latest is Careless Whisper in the Abyss. Yes. George Michael versus Slayer. Slayer, I know, I saw that one. That's that's fantastic. Wait, hey. 
so as good as that one was, that that was McClintock's latest. I actually sorted his YouTube page by most popular to least popular, and I was stunned that the least popular was Aerosmith versus The Temptations. I can't walk next to you. So you start with the Aerosmith, and and to your point about the juxtaposition, you're listening to that classic Aerosmith track, and then this. Well done, um, but I think the Temptation song needs to. The problem with the Temptation song is that it's already been usurped by the Run DMC Aerosmith duet of "Walk This Way." So this doesn't quite work as well as that. Even though that wasn't a mashup, that was an actual duet. 
Why? Because when you hear Aerosmith's Walk This Way, you're thinking Run DMC? I'm, I'm immediately waiting for them to come in, yeah. Ah, okay. That doesn't... Listen, anytime you can put together... Anytime anybody can recognize that two songs have certain sonic characteristics that allow them to be blended in such a seamless way, I am a... a you know, hats off. Way to go. Nice job. Uh, good on you. Uh, but, you know, not all mashups work work the best. I mean, we had uh, DJ Earworm on uh, a number of programs ago, and he, we were talking about his view on, on mashups, and, and his is more or less the same as mine, I think. That the greater the juxtaposition, the better the mashup. Yeah, my favorite mashup of all time is uh, called Ray of Gob, and it features the Sex Pistols mashed up with Madonna. And it's actually very, very good. I, I downloaded it from someplace, and it's on one of my running lists on my phone. Oh, well, I suppose that's a good measure of the the viability of a mashup in and to itself. If you're willing to listen to it just for the sake of listening to it. Yeah. Now, can we talk quickly about uh, the World Cup? Do we have to talk about sport ball? No, no, I'll tell you why. Uh, Mexico played Germany, Group F, first round, and Mexico was not supposed to win. Mexico does have a good team, but Germany is the defending World Cup champions. I don't think that they've lost an opening round uh, game since, I think it was 1982. Might have been, they haven't lost an opening game in the World Cup since 1982. Whatever the case, uh, they're pretty formidable. And uh, many believe that Mexico had drawn the short straw in Group F, having to play their first game against Germany. But then, in something of a miracle, uh, around the 35th minute, that's in the first half for you, Michael. Oh, my God. Uh, they, uh, Mexico scored, and it would be the only goal that Mexico needed, and they ended up winning one nothing. Now, the home country went so wild, and I'm looking at it right now. There was a human-induced earthquake <laughs> what do you mean? Like that elementary school idea where if we all jumped up and down at once, we would create an earthquake? I'm looking at the seismograph. Ah. And if you look at the seismograph and sync it up, it comes. It happened exactly when Mexico, a winger named, um, what was his name? Herving Lozano. Exactly when Herving Lozano scored, there was a jump in the seismograph readings in Mexico, and it can only be attributed to the fact that the whole country jumped up and down at that moment. That's cool. Uh, okay, sure. I have made Go sport ball interesting sport. for you. Interesting. You know what was interesting to me is I was actually at a baseball game recently with someone. What? Who? You? I know. I was invited. Uh, against your will? You know, it's a schmooze thing more than anything else. You know me. Major League Baseball or your daughter's softball? Yeah, Major League Baseball. Okay. And we're in a box and I'm talking to this guy and he says, actually, my favorite game is more soccer. And he explained to me why England has so many teams. I had no idea. I assumed it was always like the NHL or the NFL where a city gets a team. But so why does that explain how England can have seven, eight or nine different teams? Well, it turns out. Oh, no, but seven, eight or nine. I mean, London alone has half a dozen. Point being is that all it takes to get your own FIFA labeled soccer team is to get enough guys together and enough cash. And you guys can start up your own team. You you could start up the Allen Cross 
houses if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'd have to build a stadium, and I'd have to buy players, and I'd have to find a coach. And a, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, quibbly stuff. Do you know how expensive it is to run a, an English Premier League football team? It is it is insane. That is the, one of the most valuable sporting um, leagues in the entire world, right up there with the NFL. And uh, if you go around the world, I mean, I was in Thailand, and there was a Manchester United store in a mall. Um, I think, uh, who else has some Manchester uh, city has one. I think I saw, I've seen an arsenal store and these are places far, far flung from, from, from England. But because the premier league is so popular, uh, it is so valuable. Okay. I don't think I don't think I have enough money in my couch cushions to put together an EPL team. <laughs> and not only that, there there's the of course. Okay, I'm going to have to explain a few things to you. There is uh, the English Premiership. Then there are a series of leagues below that, depending on um, how well your team does. And we can go into the issue of relegation and all that kind of business. But then each city. And in some cases, each neighborhood has their own team that has their own supporters. And it's very bound in tradition. If you grew up in a neighborhood, well, then you're born into supporting a particular team. Come hell or high water. I went to a Queens Park Rangers game um, last year, and uh, they they haven't been in the first division for or in the Premier League for a while. But uh, the amount of of fandom that goes on at one of these games is outstanding and it goes all the way back to the late 18th century it's it's a it's a or late 19th century it's a really fun thing to watch if anybody's ever wanted to see exactly how professional sports is done in england you gotta go to an epl game own one of the craptastic mugs of the world's most popular podcast and support the show you too can use the power of science to hold liquids both hot or cold visit geeksandbeats.com today so you didn't get anything from your fur babies for father's day i got something from my girl Oh, of course you should, because you're such a good dad. You do everything for your little Olivia. What did you get? I got the Apple AirPod earbud wireless headphones. Oh, you will love those. I bought a pair, must be close to a year ago now, and I think they're fantastic. We were all worried that, you know, you're walking around with the douche tooth headphones in that you'd look like an absolute dork. And I don't know whether or not the jury has come back with a conclusion on that, but I'm willing to go for it. No, no, you it has come back. You do look like you've got cigarettes sticking out of your ears. You do look like a dork or, or Popeye cigarettes specifically. Yeah, because they're a little thinner. Right. But uh, the thing that I, I loved about the Apple AirPods was you and I talked about this before they came out, the fear that you would lose them because they were so small. But you put them in your pocket, then you pull something out of your pocket, they go tumbling to the ground, you don't notice it. But they also come with a little case, a very small case. It's smaller than a Tic Tac case that has a battery in it and a whole bunch of other technology, too, so that you, when you are finished using them, you just stick them in this little Tic Tac case, and it charges them up for you while it's in the case. And it's good for about two weeks, that case. The case is good for two weeks. And I use it every night when I walk the dog, and I don't have to charge it more than once every two weeks. 
awesome because I was a little concerned that the battery life might be so small considering how tiny these things are. Well, if you end up using them on a daily basis, you're going to have to charge them more often. But in, in my experience, you know, with, with the one hour a day or one hour, hour and a half a day, if I go for a run, two weeks and uh, they have nothing. They've never fallen out of my head. Uh, with the exception of the one time the dog jumped up on me and knocked one off, and I spent about 15 minutes in the grass looking for it. But you know exactly that it dropped off because the moment it does, it cuts the audio. It, it recognizes yeah. it's, got, it's got an in-ear sensor, which is a little creepy. It, it is. It's pretty cool. It's it's pretty magical the way these things work. The way they work is they're touch sensitive on either side. It does a double tap, and you can configure within the Bluetooth settings on your phone what the double tap does. So I originally set my left ear to previous track and my right ear to next track, but I found that instead of going to previous track, I never use that function. I always just skip to the next one. I set the left ear to be Siri. So if I double tap the Siri, I I can then tell it to do whatever I would, just like I was hitting the home button. The, the audio quality is not bad. I, I set the EQ to loudness, which is, you know, that 1980s sound. You know, they're not the greatest sounding things, but again, earbuds are not ever going to be great sounding. But in terms of convenience, without the wire and everything else that goes along with them, um, I, I, I don't need any other, other earbuds. My only problem is, is now this is another goddamn thing to charge. Yeah, well, that's the problem, because where do you have, and you need a lightning connector for them. And it, the neat thing, though, is that at least it came with a lightning cable. Yes. So that you can, in fact, charge it. By the way, I, I want to backpedal on a claim I made last week about getting the little one her own iPhone and how it came with the headphones, but it didn't come with a lightning connector adapter. Yeah. The headphones had the lightning adapter built into it. They were lightning headphones. Oh, oh, yes. Well, it was a seven, right? Yeah. So it makes sense. But my seven came with an adapter. Really? Yeah. Well, he was the first generation of the seven. I guess after a while, they kind of went, why are we putting in the dongle? Let's just give them the headphones with it built in. Okay. That's that's interesting. Okay. So that made it a whole lot easier for you. Mm -hmm. Uber suspended all self-driving car tests, including the ones in Toronto and San Francisco after an investigation into that death in March of a pedestrian. Uh, and it just brings to mind a lot of questions about the state of the self-driving car and where we are and where we're going next, because this, I can imagine, sets things back a bit. For a look at this, the company's self-driving car future and which cabs are the safest. Joining us from our London Bureau, Geeks and Beats senior transportation reporter, Shane Alexander. Shane. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Which London? Where are we? Where have we posted you? London, Ontario. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think it's to be awfully late for you. <laughs> yeah, the budget hasn't gone that big yet for Geeks no. and Beats, but we're working on the Patreon account for that. All right. I, I do not like the concept of self-driving cars simply because I am one of those people who does like to drive. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hand my autonomy over to some algorithms which are supposed to keep me safe when I'm heading down the road at 50 or 90 or 120 kilometers an hour. Well, you sound like Bones McCoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got some reason you want my atoms scattered all over space, boy? No, sir. But at your age, sir, I thought you shouldn't have to put up with the time and trouble of a shuttlecraft. Hold it right there, boy. Sir? What about my age? Sorry, sir. If that subject troubles you. Troubles me? What's so damn troublesome about not having died? How old do you think I am anyway? 
137 years, Admiral, according to Starfleet records. Explain how you remember that so exactly. I remember every fact I'm exposed to, sir. I don't see no points on your ears, boy. But you sound like a Vulcan. Well, you know, I don't have my license. So when I first heard about self-driving cars... Hey, back up. How old are you? <laughs> I'm going to be 40 next month. Eh. Hey, 40? Wait, 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 wait. You've, You've lived on this planet for 40 years and you still don't have a license? You never felt a need for no. it. And, wait, and you live in London. London's not exactly the most walkable town on the planet. How, and how you're our senior transportation reporter. <laughs> this is... This is... Unacceptable. <laughs> well, that's why I use Uber. We got to talk to HR. <laughs> so what happened here? The car's emergency braking maneuvers were disabled while the car was, in fact, in autonomous mode. Yes. So the backup real-life driver in the car was late to, to the show, I guess, and wasn't able to stop it in time. So they don't know why the emergency braking maneuvers were disabled, even though the vehicle was in autonomous mode. They believe it could be the timing. So at this point, it would have been a case of an alarm should have gone up that said, hey, it's time for the vehicle to go from autonomous level three, which is of the five levels. We're, we're just testing level three autonomy right now. Back down to one, which is you have to have your hands on the steering wheel. Yes. So while you're researching this, mm -hmm. you found out that if you are, in fact, going to get in the passenger seat of a, a cab of any sort whatsoever, there is a very specific color cab that is the safest cab to sit in. OK, first of all, one question. What are you doing in the front seat? Well, maybe I've got passengers in the back seat, too. Uh, OK. All right. Fine. Have you ever done that, though? Have you ever gotten into the front passenger seat of a cab and seen the look of a cabbie when he does when you do it? Well, yeah, because he has to move all the crap that he's got in the passenger seat to a car. It's his office. I know. Yeah, I've made that mistake once. So what's the color? It's yellow. And it started in 1907. Chicago Yellow Cab Company chose the color based on a, a survey they did. And people said that yellow was the nicest color. The one that you could see the most. Yeah. See, this is interesting to me because I always uh, associated the Yellow Cab Company with New York, not Chicago. That's that's what I thought, too, actually. Wait a second. I'm trying to think if they're Chicago Yellow Cab Company. Let me look it up. Basically, yeah. So the Yellow Cab Company chose a color just due to uh, a survey. Now, uh, they were just using regular color co uh, cabs before. Which it, back in 1907 was black. Yes. Well, everything was black in 1907. I see that in 1920, the Yellow Cab Manufacturing Company was formed just to actually make taxi cabs of that color and of that style. And you know who created it? John D. Hertz, who, of course, we know as... The Hertz Company. No, actually not related in any way, shape, or oh. form. Oh. Was that your guess? <laughs> so, you, so you, yeah, my, so you let us down this rabbit hole, and, and all of a sudden you caved it in. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I clicked on the link going, by the time the link loads up, it'll tell me that he was the Hertz car company. And it's not. Yeah, actually, no, it is. Uh, he uh, had a company called the Omnibus Corporation, and then he purchased the car rental business from General Motors in 1953 and changed the name from the Omnibus Corporation after getting out of public transport to uh, the Hertz Corporation, which in 1954 ended up on the New York Stock Exchange. 
Let's get into the other big story regarding Uber was that um, they they're working on a way to spot drunk passengers. This new technology will let the driver know your location, of course, but how accurately you're typing and even the angle you're holding your phone. So if you're, you know, had a few pops, you might not be holding your phone the best way and might be tripping around the street. And the, the, this seems like counterintuitive to their business model. Exactly. Yes, I understand that a driver wouldn't want to have to deal with the cost of cleaning up vomit in the back seat. But if you are actively spurning drunkards f- from getting into an Uber, aren't you at risk of encouraging them to get behind the wheel of their own car? Well, I'll tell you a true story. That happened actually last time I took an, uh, an Uber. I got in this... Because co- you had no choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I got in the Uber, and this Uber driver, really nice guy, he's like, let me just vent. I haven't talked to anyone in three hours. And he basically said that now when drunk passengers come into his car, he says that there he has a camera, and all Uber cars have cameras built into the into one of the, their mirrors just so in their drunk state they would think that they were getting taped i find that a little difficult to believe that uber has ensured that every vehicle oh, oh i guarantee you not there's no way oh no that's what he was saying that of course it, oh. it's not like that but he could tell that to drunk passengers Ah, okay. Because I was going to say, how drunk were you that he was trying to convince you that this was the case? But that would make sense, though, is that you want people to be on their best behavior. And one of the most effective ways to do it is to say, smile, you're on candid camera. Yep. All you have to do is put a sticker someplace, even even just a little sign on the back of the headrest saying, hey, you're on camera. Behave. Shane, thanks so much for winding up, Alan. <laughs> thanks, guys. Shane Alexander is the Geeks and Beats senior transportation reporter. He joined us from our office in London. Senior? We have a... Ju- wait, 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 wait. We have a junior one? Yeah, the senior reporter can't drive, and the junior reporter can't even ride a bicycle. <laughs> London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. On Patreon, we have a co-producer this week, same as last week, although now we at least know how to pronounce his name. Okay, this is your shot. Every week we get to embarrass you because you pronounce all our producers' well, names I, wrong, but I, go ahead. I, I know, but I've got it now broken okay. down phonetically, thanks okay. to Jason, so I put it in the list here. So you you read that, and you tell me, because now that I know exactly what it is, you tell me what you think it is. I thought it was Bjerke. B-J-E-R-K-E. Bjerke. He says beer key. Beer key. Okay. He broke broke it down not just phonetically, but also in emoji. A beer stein and a key. <laughs> okay. So, Jason, thank you so much for supporting the big show. Okay, How I want to I want to have an ancestry investigation here. Where what what is the eth- ethnological root of that name? Well, let's see I mean, it's got to be something. Uh, it's got to be something Scandinavian, don't you think? I'm on Ancestry.ca. Yeah. Um, and so let's see what we can find on that. Feels like a... No offense, dude. We're just really interested in your name. Yeah.
Give me 14-day free trial access. Click here. <laughs> no. Okay, never mind. We won't do that. Yeah. Oh, similar surnames. Jerky, Bertie, and Drake. Okay. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Is Drake his first name or is his last name? As long as his money is good, I don't care. No, no, I'm talking about the musician. Oh, I don't really care about him. But if he wants to give us some of his money, I'll take that, too. So, Jason, thank you so much for supporting the big show. You can do so as well. Go to geeksandbeats.com. Uh, click the support the show link. If you don't want to drop 25 bucks just so that we talk about you and put your name on the album art, uh, you can support the show by being a member of the world's worst intern program, which makes it the world's worst intern program by way of giving us a dollar to work on the show. You don't do any actual work. And all we do is say thank you. Like we say thanks to Rob Eklund, uh, Simply Silver Eye, uh, Kyle Philistrom, Stephen Robinson, Stephen Landry, and Aaron Kathleen Burrell. Thank you. That's, we've actually been having a very good run. We're covering our, our, our costs. Right, because all the, all the money that we get goes right back into the big show. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, that's helpful. I'm still waiting for somebody to come along and buy us. <laughs> that's the exit strategy. Maybe we should just IPO. Yeah, maybe we could. What do you think we would get in an initial share? I don't know. All I care about is the ticker symbol. Oh, good. We'd have to get G-E-E-K. Yes. We <laughs> okay, hang on. I'm <laughs> Ticker symbol. <laughs> Let's just look at this app. Symbol. The closest we get is Gurnon Corporation at G-E-R-N on the NASDAQ. Okay, so we're cool. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so, so let's uh, let's see if we can. We need to launch directly into the uh, onto the Nasdaq. I don't want any pink paper. I don't want any. Um, yeah, no pink sheets nonsense. Hey, may, maybe a cryptocurrency, an ICO. I like it. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes, and watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code three two three three nineteen nerd. Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.